Hello friends and winning at fibromyalgia warriors and listeners. Please know I mean the word a warrior in the best possible sense of the word. My vision is to help a thousand women struggling with fibromyalgia every year. And in order to do that, I do feel like I do become a warrior, like a superwoman or an avenger. So I'm becoming one. So welcome to the Winning at Fibromyalgia podcast, episode number nine. Thank you to every single one of you who listens and downloads my podcast. It means the world to me. Thank you to those who share or spread the word. That's how people find out about me and what I can do for them. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Today, I talk about three patients from my practice uh, that I encountered this past week to showcase specific concerns uh, and issues that come up during my encounters with real patients. It is one thing to talk theory and whole another ball game to go out in the real world and practice what I teach. Before I go on, I want to mention I purchased a new mic online that advertises to make my voice sound much better and we will be able to find out as soon as next week. It's going to arrive in the next two days. So let's start with my first case. Let's call her Julie. She's a lovely lady in her early 60s and she lives alone because her husband died. She has had chronic right knee pain that she believed to be from uh, RSD, uh, another name or it means a reflex sympathetic dystrophy. In the weeks preceding her visit with me two weeks ago, she had been having high amount of uh, right knee pain that sometimes would jump to the left knee for no rhyme or reason and seemed to have only responded to short bursts of steroids or pain medication. Most peculiar of all, her right knee MRI was completely normal. The patient, however, was not reassured by that finding. And we met twice in the last two weeks. The first time, two weeks ago, I did a thorough exam of her joints and provided reassurance that her knee was truly fine. I explained the concept of neuroplastic pain and she was surprised to find out such concept even existed. We did somatic tracking at the beginning of which she had pain in her right knee and both ankles and all of the three locations had less or zero pain at the end of several minutes long somatic tracking session. She was very excited and happy and so was I. During the session, it did come up that she did not feel safe at home because she lived alone. As we probed it further, it turns out she she does feel safe when she prays. And that's what we held onto, the feeling of safety she has when she prays. That's exactly the same feeling we want the brain to have in order to feel safe. So she came to me yesterday for a follow-up. She told me that initially she felt very excited and reassured and the pain would stay away. But then the pain came back and she became anxious and stressed about it again. She felt and worried that um, she was not doing it right. She worked herself up to believing she was not doing it right. And this was reaffirmed to her because the pain was not going away this time. She was stressed out and worried about whether she was doing it right. So what I want to highlight here is that there is no such thing as doing it right. Or in another word, uh, perfectionism. The only requirement for doing somatic tracking is that you are relaxed, calm and curious, which is hard to do when the pain is severe. So we don't recommend doing somatic tracking when the pain is severe. You do everything possible to avoid pain at the time. 
Perfectionism is the opposite emotion we want you to feel and does not allow the brain to feel safe. So that was one aspect that we addressed. The second was attachment to the outcome. Because the pain has gotten every time, has gotten better every time she did somatic tracking up until that point, she was hoping and expected that the same outcome every time, meaning that the pain would get better. And that's the thing with somatic tracking. It does produce reduction of pain most of the time, but especially early on, it may, quote, only, quote, produce shifts in sensation. So sensation moves to another part of the body or the pain changes character from, for example, from burning to tingling, which in itself is another proof of the concept of neuroplastic pain and should provide reassurance. So we discussed all of that and um, the fact that you want to be unattached to the outcome when doing any of the exercises for the pain. It is clear that we want your pain gone, but it, it is almost as if you, quote, surrendered to whatever may be and not watching things like a hawk and expecting pain to go away. Expectation is a signal of alert to the brain, which means danger, and it produces more pain or allows the pain to stick. The pain reduces when the brain is reassured and feeling safe, meaning when you truly feel safe and reassured in the core of your soul when you're doing the exercise. So uh, we did another somatic tracking session after discussing all of that, and Julie had again a wonderful resolution of symptoms at the second visit yesterday. Um, it was a wonderful encounter for me also to see what an impact I can have on someone's life by sharing empowering knowledge and techniques to make the pain feel better. The impact is tremendous and very gratifying and this is without any medications. My second patient is Rebecca who was referred to me for positive ANA and sensation of pins and needles uh, in the arms and legs, but basically all over. ANA means anti-nuclear antibody and can be present in patients with autoimmune diseases. She's in her late 40s. She lives with her husband, uh, who is very supportive, and a school-aged daughter. Rebecca made it actually very easy for me because she beautifully described on her own how her symptoms of IBS, irritable bowel uh, syndrome, get worse when her business gets busy or busier in the summer months. And she does uh, believe this is a pattern for her. And it's a perfect example of a body-mind syndrome, real physical symptoms in response to stress. This year, something new started happening, uh, the pins and needle sensation. It was there all of the time or most of the time, but not the same inten intensity. And she also got new bladder symptoms and uh, negative urine testing for infection. I did, again, a thorough exam. She already had normal labs done by her referring provider, except for the ANA. And there was no evidence of lupus or other autoimmune rheumatic disease. It was clear to me that her symptoms did not have any structural basis, yet clearly they were real. And I explained to her the concept of body-mind syndrome and neuroplasticity of the brain. She was so relieved to hear that body-mind syndrome can give people physical symptoms that are real and can go away. We did not have time to do somatic tracking because this was our first visit and I spent the time obtaining all the relevant history, doing the exam and explaining the neuroplasticity. Uh, Rebecca, however, said that just hearing this information and knowing, knowing it exists made her feel better. 
So I gave her some tools and we are meeting next week again to follow up and do somatic tracking. My third patient was Mary, a pleasant lady in her 70s who had severe PTSD and a long history of chronic body pain. I again did thorough physical exam. I reviewed her labs and confirmed the diagnosis of fibromyalgia for her. I explained the concept of neuroplasticity and she was very receptive to the idea and she was even able to immediately link her long-standing history of trauma and PTSD to her pain. However, when we attempted to do somatic tracking, within the first minute, she informed me that she's unable to continue because relaxing with me in the office, having her eyes closed, meant to her that she was letting go of the control and um, she was not able to do that, to let go of the hypervigilance. So what I want to point out here is that um, if that happens to you and you encounter feeling like you cannot focus on your breath and relax because it means letting go of the control, it is also okay. It is maybe time to thank your anxiety for being such a good protector of you. The anxiety probably has been there for a long time and probably for a good reason. I have to recognize that it is hard to imagine what people with physical or sexual trauma, um, that it is hard for them to let go of the hypervigilance and let their bodies be completely relaxed. It feels to them like they are defenseless and that's okay. We discussed that with Mary. I'm going to see her again and I suggested that she tries this even for just a second per day and then maybe she will be able to do it for a few seconds and slowly she may be able to build this to a minute per day. We will work with whatever we can get as long as we are kind and compassionate with our bodies and as long as we are truly feeling safe. So the last thing I just want to reiterate is that there is no right way to do this. Uh, everyone is different and everyone's physical body reacts differently. And this is all okay. It is all human experience. We meet ourselves where we are with love and kindness and compassion. This is all for today. I do look forward to catching up with you all next week, hopefully with a new mic. Uh, if you love this episode, please let me know or leave a review. I will appreciate it. If you think someone else might benefit from it, please share. I will also appreciate it. You can find me on Facebook at Martina Lenartova. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-A-L-E-N-A-R-T-O-V-A. And my website is https colon double slash www.martinazigenbeinmdcoaching.com and that is m-a-r-t-i-n-a-z-i-e-g-e-n-b-e-i-n-m-d-coaching.com.